welcome to this week's episode of The Exercise Engineer. This week, we're talking about competition. Um, so when I say competition, what do you initially think of? Maybe you think of the Olympics, World Cup, maybe you think of exams, maybe you think of like going after lads in your friend group, maybe work promotions, maybe it's being the favorite sibling, number one podcasts, going for number one song, trending reels, TikToks. Like, if you think about it, anything in life can come down to being a competition or not. Uh, but the definition of the word competition, I wrote it down because I wanted to cover it, just roughly go over it. The activity or condition of striving to gain or win something by defeating or establishing superiority over others. So pretty much it's working out who's best. And obviously we know that. We know what a competition is. I'm not here to teach you how to suck eggs, but I just want to work out if it's it, it's beneficial for us or if it just ends negatively. So a little bit of healthy competition. I know that we all we all love a little bit of healthy competition. Um those of you who pretend that you don't secretly that's only because you know you're not going to win whereas if you back yourself to win you'll do everyone loves a bit of competition um because it does it pushes you to achieve more if you were just doing it on your own like you just you just do it like there's no real comparison there's nothing to win there's nothing to gain from it but whenever we do something and we think about potentially beating someone else or sort of proving ourselves like that's where the competition comes in whether you realize it or not everything in life is pretty much competition so like especially like those little like secret competitions that you have in your head you know the ones that no one really knows about but in your head it's a full competition that's a full game but no one else knows so it's bad if you don't win. Like, it's just in your own head. Like, if you're doing park run and you clock someone and you're like, yeah, I'm going to beat them. And it's like, they have no idea that you're going to overtake them last minute and beat them and like chip them at the post. Or like, I was going to use Monopoly as an example there, but everyone knows that that's a really intense game. So that's, that's not a good example. But it, I think a bit of healthy competition really does push you to achieve more. Like if you want to run faster, run alone. And that's maybe where Strava comes in because you've, you've got your own PBs on there. So even your own PBs, you are still in competition with yourself um, and other people's Strava, whatever. If, you do, if you've not heard of Strava, it's a running app. Um, I've only recently got it because I was peer pressured into getting it ready for the GC marathon coming up this year. But I do believe that if you want to run further, you should run together because you'll all keep each other going, whether that's in competition with each other or not, to all get round in one go. That's up for debate because it, it could easily be a mini competition. Like no one wants to be the first one to give up or no one wants to be like, oh God, I, I can't be the only person to quit here because other people are there. And whether you class that as competition or support, I think, um, I think it could be classed as either slash birth. Um, but when it comes to competitions and like those main competitions that we think about right at the start, when you say competition, you think of athletes, you think of people who are like up there getting number ones, doing the 
big, big things, getting the gold medals, all of that stuff. Like, how do people get that good? And I've covered it in a lot more detail before in another podcast about how successful people are so successful in what they do. Um, and it pretty much comes down to they're good at being bored. They're good at doing things over and over and over again because we know practice makes perfect or at least practice makes improvement. You can't just get better at something without getting the reps in. You need to be getting the reps in every single week, if not every single day. Like when it came to being able to do pull-ups, I practice them every single day. It's not a natural ability for women to be able to do pull-ups. So therefore, if you want to get good at them, you've got to practice them every day, believe it or not. Again, with the like free kicks, footballers practice that over and over again. I would love to know how many times Serena Williams has practiced that, that tennis serve or how many times a, a professional hurdler has jumped over hurdles. Like, I know that sounds really obvious, but it is just about getting the reps in. And then it comes down to passion. Like, are those people actually passionate or are they just dedicated? Are they just disciplined? Are they just driven to a particular goal for whatever reason that is? What sort of competition are they playing? Like, is that a competition with themselves? Is it a competition with a sibling? Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a competition with other people in their club. Or maybe it does just boil down to the fact they want to be the best in the world, in which case that is a competition with the world and they would be at the Olympics or something ridiculous like that. Um, but I do believe to be the number one, you've got to start from a young age. You can't be swooping in at like 30, 40. And I'm not saying that's an old age, but when it comes to athleticism, that sort, like you need to be getting the reps in as early as possible because there are going to be people who are pushed into it at a young age who are, you are going to be up against. So I think the earlier you start, the more advantage you technically have. But obviously it comes down to genetics, like a particular build, it'll be perfect for a swimmer, but not necessarily a rugby player, not necessarily a good runner. Like they all have different variations in body types and whether they carry more weight naturally, they're big boned, long limbs, short limbs, long torsos. Like there are so many variables when it comes to what people can do in terms of sport and fitness and what they end up pursuing in life. Um, but yeah, going back to the starting from an early age, like part of me wishes that my parents pushed me a bit more in the whole athletics thing. Like I would love to know how quick I could have been if it was pushed on me from a younger age. But saying that, you sort of, it's there's a fine, fine line because we grew up around particular children that were really, really pushed to the point that they ended up resenting their sport or they ended up resenting the parents because they they were just pushed and pushed and pushed and they, they, they don't want to do it anymore. And then it, it all gets thrown away anyway. So it, there's a really, really fine line between pushing your kids to want to do something, pushing your kids to be really good at something and then actually getting them to number one, but then also hoping that they still enjoy it for the rest of their life and you've pushed them to a good point of 
yeah, we did the right thing there because they're really good at it or like they got gold and they still really enjoy it. Um, but yeah, skills are definitely built over time. Um, it is years and years of repetition and dedication and discipline. So I do think when it comes to number one, that's where the kids really do excel. And like really good skiers, you see them on the slopes from when they're like three, literally from when they can walk, they can ski because it skills are so much easier to learn when you're younger. The older you get, the more difficult it is to learn those types of particular skills. Definitely not impossible, absolutely nowhere near impossible. Like there's still so many skills that I wanna learn, like muscle ups and I wanna get better at swimming. Uh, like I did all my grades as a child, but I'm nowhere near a competitive swimmer whatsoever. And I would like to do an Ironman at some point, so that definitely needs to ramp up. Um, there's just so many skills that, yes, it's easier if you start earlier, but there's definitely, you, you can still put time in now to get really good at it. It's just the chance of you being number one if you start too late is, it becomes smaller and smaller, that chance. Um, another thing I wanted to cover with competition is, it brings people together. It really, really does. Like you see these people with full teams of people behind them. Like you've got the physios, you've got the nutritionist, you've got the team of supporters behind particular individuals or you get teams. So like when you see the football, it's insane watching that amount of support behind a particular team, especially when it comes to the World Cup, everyone becomes so patriotic and it is so amazing to see that many people come together all for just one particular thing, just like one tiny little competition really at the end of the day. It's like people kicking a ball around a field, but everyone gets so invested in it and becomes this big unit that it's almost... It's quite breathtaking when you actually think about it, that one game that someone just randomly made up one day is so huge, like so huge in our lives. Um, like the Olympics as well, swimming, there's so many different sports in the Olympics that it's just, it is amazing to see that amount of people come together. And I do, I love watching stuff like that just to see the level of support that teams get and individuals get as well. Um, saying that, it breaks people apart as well. A, too much competition and too much aggressive competition, shall we say, will really break people apart. And it breaks families apart, it breaks teams apart, it breaks nations apart. And it's that's where it can be really detrimental and that's the bit I don't like about particular competitions. Like, families playing Monopoly at Christmas, not good. Not good at all. The amount of families I've seen ripped apart over a Monopoly game, not good. And then rival teams, when they shout at each other in, in the, I was going to say audience, but that's not right. The crowds. Like, yes, a bit of a bit of healthy competition and banter between teams is good but sometimes you see that it does get really really out of hand and that's where it can be really sad like watching that sort of things as well so um i just just want to point that out but i think 
the good outweighs the bad in terms of competition so far. Um, but where, when it comes to competition and a bit more on an individual basis now, I'm not necessarily talking about huge events that people go to, but this is more about you and your own competition. Um, whether that's in your head or like your other little competitions that you've got going on in your life, like I make my own little competitions sometimes. Um, but it's all about pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Like no one achieved anything decent by being comfortable. Let's be honest. Like for me, being pushed out of my comfort zone are things like public speaking. I can't stand it. It's going, it's going like ridiculously heavy. At, at the squat rack at a gym, like I'm always really worried about my back, even though I've never had back issues. I don't know why that's even an issue, but that's that's a big pushed out of my comfort zone for me. It's running fast, like the pure discomfort of being out of breath, lifting weights at home or running, trying to get a PB, bit of park run, bit of healthy competition at park run. We all love it. Something else pushing myself out of my comfort zone, starting this podcast like moving to Australia. These are all things completely out of my comfort zone, really. And it's just making decisions on a day-to-day -day basis that could backfire, especially now that I work for myself. Like anything that I say or do on social media could backfire at any moment. And it's it, like, I could go on and on about pushing myself out of my comfort zone. Um, talking to a camera at first, huge, huge, Bar like barrier up for that. Um, but yeah, again, nothing good comes from being comfortable. So my message to you is really to get comfortable being uncomfortable because the sooner you nail that, the easier and quicker it is to achieve your goals. And that can be literally any goals ever. It doesn't have to be part of a competition, but the sooner you understand what it feels like to be uncomfortable and understand that it's going to be okay and it's not going to be the end of the world. You're not going to die from it. Like the sooner you nail that, the easier and quicker you will achieve your goals. Even if these are tiny little like New Year's resolution goals, just get ready to be uncomfortable. Like if you're going for your first ever run, yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, you can make it slightly easier by distracting yourself and slowing down, but at the at the end of the day, it's your first ever run. Of course, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to hate it probably at first, but you build into it. You get used to it. Again, the sooner you get used to being uncomfortable, the quicker you will achieve your goals. Because being uncomfortable on a daily basis will seriously build that mental toughness that we all have within us. And it's definitely something that us as humans used to do a lot more of. Um, it's so, so beneficial for us. So I always just try and think like, when was the last time you actually pushed yourself? Like when was the last time you stretched your own boundaries, stepped outside of your comfort zone, like prioritized your health? The time is now. Just, just start something now. Choose something that you know that it's going to be uncomfortable. You don't want to do it because we, us humans, we like the easy way out, but stop trying the same stuff over and over again and expecting a different result. Like we have to challenge ourselves in order to change. Like summer will be here before we know it. Like what are you waiting for? 
stop being comfortable. Do something out of your comfort zone to be able to do that. And I think a lot of us, I feel like this is a little, turning into a little bit of a rant, but I promise it's not. I'm just trying to portray my passion for this because I put myself out of my comfort zone on a daily basis just to build that mental toughness. Because when it comes to things like marathons, which technically, yes, is a competition for the elite people, but like a marathon is just there for, as competition for myself. I know that I've got particular goals for this marathon coming up in July. Uh, I want to hit my own PB. Like that is a competition in itself. There's no other reason I'm going to be putting myself in that pure discomfort because it's going to be hard PB to get. Like, I can't just run that and enjoy it in order to hit that PB. That is going to be a hard slog of pain. And understanding that sooner rather than later is going to make me train harder for it. So yes, that's more discomfort on the build-up to it. But then understanding that, yes, that's going to be a painful three hours. But if I can prove to myself that I can put myself through discomfort for more than three hours, then you can you can literally achieve anything. You can do anything you want to do. And there's this thing called the comfort crisis. I think it's a book. Um, and within the book, they've got this thing called the emoji challenge. And it's something you've got to do. So something physical once a year. And the rules are 50% chance of success. There's no specific training allowed. Um, you've only got to do something once per year and don't die. That's pretty much what the, and it is absolutely ridiculous. When you, if you Google this, you'll see some of the examples that people do. Like there was a guy who walked along the bottom of the seabed with a rock or something for like a marathon. I don't know if I've just made that up, but it was something ridiculous like that or like swimming with a, a log attached to you or like there's some really bizarre ones like running across America. Really, really bizarre ones, but it's to the point that you, that's the sort of challenge that we need to put ourselves in. Like there's, there's one thing me doing a marathon, like, because I know that I can achieve that. I know that I can run a marathon probably tomorrow if I wanted to without sounded cocky or big headed. I just know I back my training and I back my mindset and I back my body to be able to do something like that. And that's sort of what I train for at the moment, to be ready for anything like that. So if my friend turns around and says, hey Lou, do you want to run a marathon next week? I'm like, hell yeah, I do. Let's do it. So that's the point of my training, but that's not the point of this comfort crisis because that's technically me being in my comfort zone. Like, yes, a marathon would be hard to run if I had to run it next week, but I know that I'd be able to do it. So it's not really that uncomfortable for me. Like during it, of course it would be uncomfortable. Like I'd be, I wouldn't be aiming for a particular time if I was going to do it next week, but I would know that I would be able to do it. Whereas this emoji challenge, there's a 50% chance of success. Like you need to start this not fully knowing if you're going to finish it or not. And I haven't decided if I'm going to partake in such challenge yet. Saying that, I do want to go for a world record this year. So that might be something to do with it. Or definitely an Ironman next year or the year after. Like that sort of challenge. I don't know if I'd be able to do that. 
but then I would end up training for it. So maybe that's why the, that challenge isn't, that's where it's, it differs. But anyway, I'm going to move on from this emoji challenge because it's not the standard thing that people do, but it does raise the fact that we as humans definitely do not put ourselves in discomfort often enough. Like why, why, why would we push ourselves when we don't need to? But there's so, so many benefits proven from pushing ourselves. Um, like humans, we're designed to be in discomfort and it's what makes us healthier, what makes us strong and motivated. Um, like lifting weights, it's hard. Like it's uncomfortable to be stuck under a bar or under a kettlebell, but we do it anyway to become stronger. And so be the 1% of people that the other 99% of people aren't willing to do. Like choose that 1%. I think it's something stupid, like only 1% of people in their lifetime will complete a marathon. Like, that's crazy. But it, that's crazy to me, but that's only because I've done multiple before and I'm surrounded by other people that do them. Whereas there are so, so many people that would never even consider doing one, never mind doing one. But that's not me putting myself on a pedestal and saying I'm better than all of them. That's just a different lifestyle. It's who, it's the different people that you surround yourself with and what you're exposing yourself to every day. So I do think we need to push ourselves a lot more as a society. Um, the only thing about pushing yourself too much is you will be like doing the 1% means that you're pretty much alone because there's not many other one percenters out there. Um, so loneliness is definitely one of the issues with pursuing such, I was going to say a competition, but it's not really, it's discomfort, isn't it? But then believing that you can do it is also a huge factor in that. Um, I'm quite big on, not necessarily manifestation, but I think you've got to practice something every day, as in like, um, repeat something over and over again. And whether that's manifestation or not, it's the act of thinking about it every single day that works in terms of manifestation. Like the law of attraction isn't just praying to the universe every day and it'll eventually give in and give it to you. It's the action of you thinking about it every day, meaning that you're actually going to work towards it, whether you realize it or not, because you think about it every day. So you're working towards it in your head every day and you will make choices, whether you realize it or not, you will make choices that are more swayed to the outcome that you want in, in for the manifestation or whatever, what, whatever you want to take that. Um, but definitely believing that you can do it is a huge, huge factor because that's where the mindset will kick in over the body. So again, marathon mindset, let's just use that example again. When I was doing the marathon, like I understood that I would be able to complete it. It was just how long it would take me to complete. That was the main question of it. So believing that you can do it will seriously get you halfway there because most of the time it is your mind that you've got to convince. Like your body is way, way stronger than you think. Ridiculously way stronger than you think. So like 
again with the marathon, I was running and running and running. It got to the last 10K and I remember thinking in my head, I was like, oh my God, oh, there's only 10K left. Oh my God, this is, this is so good. And then the other half of my brain was like, yes, but you've still got 10K left. That's still like an hour. It's like, oh my God. But then the other half of my brain was like, yeah, but there's only 10K left. And it's like, yeah, but you've still got 10K left. You get my point. But it's just, I really do believe that the minute you believe something is possible, you'll do what it takes in order to make sure it does succeed. Because you you believe that it can happen. You can almost visualize it. So why, it seems bizarre that it wouldn't then happen if you can already visualize how it's going to happen. Or like you can see the outcome and it's just working out how to get from A to B in order to get there. So it's becoming the optimist, but also remaining a realist because you you know that you need to put the training in to order to get there, but you need to be optimistic enough and almost naive enough, especially if it's something that's gonna be really, really hard to just sign up in the first place. So be naive enough to sign up, but then be stubborn enough to not give up in order to achieve that goal. So it's understanding that it's possible if you apply yourself and if you push yourself and work towards it every single day. Again, you can't just pray for it to happen every day and expect it to happen. If you want to run a marathon, you need to get out there and run and practice and practice, practice, practice. Going back to competition and how people actually perform well under pressure, um, this is quite a, a slightly different topic because it's more to do with, yeah, how people perform under pressure, especially within competitions. And that's where it comes down to purpose over pleasure. And this is where we sort of not, not necessarily avoid the discomforts, but like that is where you are opening up to, yes, I'm going to be uncomfortable for X amount of time. Let's go. Like you are there for a purpose. You are there to tick boxes. You are there to win the medal. You are there to do X, Y, and Z. You are not there to enjoy yourself at this point. Like, yes, the enjoyment of winning might come as a byproduct, but if you are in the Australia Open, or if you are in the World Cup, or if you're in the Olympics, on that day, yes, you might enjoy it to a certain extent of like the competition and the atmosphere and the supporters and everything like that, but to perform well under pressure, you need to be there for a purpose. You are there to win that medal. And that's the mindset switch I think these people that do perform well under pressure do have and like you could not necessarily applying it to all sports like applying it to work like people who perform well under pressure like in meetings or like quite high demanding jobs like they are there for a purpose they are there to get the job done and they will do what it takes to get that job done if that makes sense so like it's all about working out what makes you tick like do you like pressure like Personally, nothing focuses my mind like the last minute. And I know that's not good. And I do say that quite a lot, but it's so true. Like that's what makes me tip. I need that bit of pressure. I need that bit of competition. I need that time restriction to get things done. That's why I often set myself mini deadlines to get stuff done because then it means I get more stuff done. Like if I had 
forever and a day to get things done, it would not get done at all. You might be also thinking like, what else makes you tick? Do you have something to prove? If it is something at work, are you trying to prove something to a boss? If it is a sporting competition, who are you proving this to? Are you proving it to yourself? Is it a family member? Is it a coach, a parent, a friend, a brother? Whatever it is, what are you trying to prove? And understanding that will be such a game changer because you'll be able to then lean into that or use it the other way and think, actually, I don't need to prove that. But in order to make myself feel better, this is where the intrinsic motivation comes in. So I've, I've discussed this before, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Um, the intrinsic motivation is from within. So like it's hitting PBs, for your own sake and feeling good and doing things because you know the long-term benefit of it will benefit you in the long term and help you feel good no matter what. Whereas extrinsic is more validation from external factors. So maybe you win a prize, you win money, you win validation from other people. Maybe you get a gold star from your coach. I don't know. Maybe you win the prize money. Like there are so many other reasons to do something that's not just doing it because you know it'll make yourself feel better. And usually that's where motivation comes in. That's where we often do better because we want to win something. But actually the people that do better long term are the people with the intrinsic motivation because they, there isn't an end for feeling good. There isn't an end for becoming the strongest and best version of yourself. There isn't an end to hitting a PB because there's always another PB to then hit. Whereas the minute the, the prize money is won, your extrinsic motivation will just drop and maybe you'll stop going to the gym or maybe you'll stop. Like if, if the World Cup just suddenly stopped, oh, that's a terrible, terrible example because of course people would continue to play football because people are obsessed with it. Okay, that was a terrible, terrible. But would people practice it so much over and over again, knowing that they would never be able to play for a professional team? If all professional, if we remove professional sport, right? That's just, I've gone off on a, such a tangent there. Let's just ignore that. But um, I, I do often question myself, like what tipped me over the edge to a learn about all this and get a second qualification like i already had my masters in engineering like i didn't i didn't need another qualification in sport and nutrition and pt and all the other qualifications i've got in like obesity and diabetes i've got spin training circuit training i've got pre and postnatal training like there there's so many other little modules and like qualifications that I've gained, but what, but why, why, why did I go out of my way to do that when I already had my engineering masters? Like I got a friggin' first. That's great. I could get any job with that, but no, I must have had to continue. Like, why did I want to do that? And I do question myself that a lot. And it's all about like, I just had enough with fad diets. I couldn't do any more of them. I'd had enough. I didn't understand. And I just, the selfish reason is I wanted to learn for myself 
how to go about losing weight sustainably and keeping it off and finally being happy with the way that my body was. Nothing to do, honestly, it sounds really awful, nothing to do with helping other people do it at first. No offence. I did it for pure selfishness. I wanted to understand for me how to do it. And then when I understood how simple it was and how amazing I felt and helping a few other people without charging them, how amazing they felt. And then it was almost, I was like, wow, that feels good to actually help people. So obviously then I got even more qualifications and then I started my little side hustle. And it's like, why why have I then taken my little side hustle that was doing really well? Why have I then decided to pursue that full time? And it's like, yes, I do, I do enjoy this a lot more, but do I feel like I need to prove myself? I don't know. Like, I really, I do question this a lot and I feel like I'm in therapy right now with myself as I'm literally thinking out loud. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite scary to think about. Like, what, what am I trying to prove? Why have I, suddenly made this jump? Why have I made this leap? And I think I got to the point of, I didn't want to, I think I just got overwhelmingly bored, but like not bored because it was, it's such a good career engineering. But for me personally, that's not where my passion was. And then I think you just compare, I think social media just is a killer for this sort of thing because we compare our lives every day to these perfect illustrations of other people online and it's like comparison is 100% the thief of joy so the feeling like you need to prove yourself and like live up to all this thing like increase your status maybe you want to be liked by more people you need more likes and Facebook and Instagram and Reels and TikTok and there's just so many things and I think the comparison being the thief of joy also like relates to the ego is the enemy and because your ego can get like that's the complete opposite like comparing yourself to these people that are huge and doing really really well but then from their perspective if their ego is so so big that's going to really shoot them in the foot one day because they're going to stop caring about everything else that got them there in the first place. Um, I think there was a, it was in a book, I think it was a Ryan Holiday book, um, Stillness is Key. Um, there was a mayor who wrote a book about everything he was going to change and everyone loved it so, so much. He got so much good feedback from it. He got all of that dopamine and love and acceptance and validation from everyone. He got all of that dopamine from just the book that he actually didn't go on to make any of the changes that he said he was going to make in order to get that validation. But because he already received it all from this book, like there was nothing more for him to gain in actually making these changes because he'd already got everything out of it that, that he needed, that he was making these changes for. Like he wasn't actually going to make the changes for the greater good or like the, the society or whatever. Like, he was doing it for himself and that's proven where he didn't actually make any of those changes because he'd already got the dopamine hit from the validation from the book. So it's just, it is just bizarre. It just makes you question why, why we do things. Like, is it just building status? 
Is it because it's easy? That's why we do it. Like, is it to gain superiority over everyone else? Which is what I said competition was right at the start. Like the best way, I think, to win a competition is to stay silent. Everyone loves the dark horse. Like everyone loves a little underdog who comes in, stays silent throughout the whole thing and then goes and wins it all or like shows your results before then you start gloating about it. Like be silent first and build up to it. Like everyone loves an underdog. Someone who stays really humble for the whole thing, gets it done, gets the reps in without gloating about it and then proves themselves right at the end. But often it's the complete opposite. Exactly like the mayor, we, we like to shout about things first. And I think that definitely comes down to accountability. Like I know a lot of reasons why I post particular things on Instagram and that is to keep me accountable. So like the GC marathon that I keep mentioning, like, yeah, I am going for that PB. And if I'd have just kept that in my head and it got to the day and I'd have been like, Oh, no one knows I'm trying to beat that. I'll just, I'll just finish it instead of putting myself through this much pain. But now the fact that I've told, told the world pretty much that this is, this is the time I'm aiming for. Like people know what my PB is now. Or if they don't, they'll have Googled it or found it on Instagram. Like I am going for that PB and everyone knows it. So if they're tracking me on the day or they ask me after, it's like, Oh, did you hit your PB? Yeah, I'm going to, give it everything I've got on the day and in training to be able to achieve that because I've told everyone like, and it would be humiliating if I didn't achieve that, which sounds ridiculous because it's still like, oh wow, you, you still ran a friggin' marathon, Louise, well done. But in my head, that's the accountability that's going to be shining through. Again, with the tire flipping, like I've said, I'm going to go for a world record in tire flipping. I don't even know if I've mentioned that on the podcast yet, but that is, that's, that's a thing. Um, and the fact I'm telling people about it, yes, it's to build momentum and build that support that we love. And everyone loves a bit of competition. Everyone loves seeing again, an underdog come through and like swipe first place. But like the main reason for me posting about that is accountability. Like I can't post about something and then not do it because that's just terrible. So it's pure accountability, which it sounds ridiculous, but it really is. And if it is accountability that you're lacking, then get a coach, get a buddy, get a, a chart that keeps you accountable. Keep yourself accountable. Or if you can't, and you know you can't, pay someone who will keep you accountable. Surround yourself with other people that are trying to achieve similar goals. It will make it so much easier. And then you get a little bit of healthy competition as well. Like the, the girls in my six week challenge. Yes, it's the most friendliest atmosphere ever, but I don't, well, I'm not in it for the competition, but I know a few of the girls love the bit of competition. Like if someone's posted that they've done more steps, that day, they will go back out for another walk to make sure they're the one with the highest number of steps that day. And there's like mini competitions within the six week challenge. So it just keeps a bit of a healthy competition. Everyone loves a little bit of healthy competition because it's, it's the unknown. It's like, Ooh, Oh, I could win this actually. Let's give it another go. And it's those little mini challenges along the way that will really help you get there. Um, so that's why I, I set 
lots of little mini so we, we set big challenges for ourselves and like big competitions but like it's breaking those down and thinking right what what mini challenge can I set myself for this week I'm going to record three podcasts this week something like that and then it's actually holding myself accountable to that because if I don't do it it's like oh well, that was just it. Like, why have I just, why did I say that in the first place? So it's holding those little mini competitions with yourself, but then also finding someone that would also be willing to take part in those competitions to make it a little bit more exciting. Like, if you're on the same, like, the other coaches in the fitness industry, like, yes, we all post similar reels. We're all, we've all probably got podcasts that are all going out to very similar people because it'll be the sim it'll be the similar people that listen to this style podcast or similar people that follow our style of content online and yes that is all competition really because we're we're running two different businesses here so it's it's all healthy competition though because you want to you want other people to do well as well because there's space for all of us out there there really is. Even if you think your market is so, so saturated and you think, oh, well, if they're doing well, I can't do well. So I've got to beat them. It's like, no, you don't have to turn their light bulb off in order for yours to shine brighter. Like we all shine brighter together. So group together, find a group of like-minded people, work towards something together. And yes, a little bit of healthy competition will help you all get there faster. Like you bring each other up, but also push each other up. So... I just think that's a great way to round off this podcast because I think it's a really positive note that competition, yes, it can be quite toxic and you can fall out with people over it and build enemies, but there is so much more positive things that can come out of being in healthy competition with each other and you see the amount of support and I think that's the bit we should be striving for every day. Like build a little community of people where you all push each other to do well because it's it's a nice little healthy competition. And anyway, I'm just rambling on now, but I'm gonna I'm gonna close it there. But if you do, um, if you are interested in any of my six week challenges, please reach out to me, DM me, or at theexerciseengineer.com at the exercise engineer on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, any of the above YouTube reach out to me and I'll help you out. Exciting stuff. Join one of my, maybe I should set more mini challenges. Anyway, team, I'm going to love you and leave you there. See you next week. Bye-bye.